Hello. Hi. I'm Sarah. I'm Casey. And we are Relatively Relatively Dark. How are you today? I am good. I'm good. We just got back from a birthday party. Slash graduation party. Yes. Fried chicken and cake and ice cream and apple pie. I didn't have any pie, but... And scary stories from family members. Yeah. Stay tuned. (laughs) So, I'm doing Quackery Part Dos. Volume Dos. Oh, okay. (laughs) You said volume. Anyways. I'm excited. More crack. More crap. Crack. I was... (laughs) I was going to say crackery, and that's not right. Quackery. What does a duck smoke? Quack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, my section will be over the topic of elements. Okay. And all the messed up stuff they did with it. At first, we have mercury. Oh, yeah. The good stuff. The good stuff. <laughs> I know it's, like, really dangerous. <laughs> Just a little. Um, so back in the day, people started noticing an outbreak of some kind of illness among babies. Okay. They'd have icy, swollen, red hands and feet. Mm-hmm. Their flesh would be like splitting and tearing. Oh. The book used the metaphor kind of like blanched tomatoes. They'd suffer weight loss, intense itching to where they would tear the skin open, and high fevers. They later started calling the condition acrodynia. Okay. Acrodynia. I forgot to look up how to pronounce it. It's probably dynia. That's what I was thinking. Or, in other words, painful tips. Oh, okay. Because hands and feet. Yeah. Your tips. In 1921, the condition was named Pink's disease. Okay. No one knew what was causing it, but they suspected maybe it was arsenic ergo. Is it ergot? I think it's ergo. Okay. But I don't know what that word is. <laughs> Me neither. I didn't look it up. Allergies <laughs> or viruses. They oh, also okay. thought it could be so the they had why. no idea. Yeah, that's what I said. No one knew. <laughs> In the 1950s, they realized that there was one common ingredient that was used to help sick children. Mm-hmm. That ingredient was calomel, which okay. was found in teething powders. Okay. Dr. Moffat's teething powder claimed it would regulate the bowels, uh-huh. strengthen the child, uh-huh. and will make the baby fat as a pig. Okay. Who doesn't love a chunky baby? Very true. Why that would be advertised for teething powder, I don't know. But also found in calomel is mercury. Oh, yeah. So they were rubbing mercury all in their mouth and on their gums. Oh, my gosh. So all kinds of products, not just teething powders, contained mercury. They claimed to help heal melancholy. (laughs) Love it. Constipation, influenza, parasites, and even syphilis. Oh, I love how... Everything's a cure-all. Right? That is so weird. So, mercury was used for centuries in both a liquid form, known as quicksilver, and in a salt form, which was the calomel. Okay. I keep wanting to say camel. (laughs) I thought you were going to say calamine. (laughs) I I keep wanting to say that, too. (laughs) Calomel was used by some people you may have heard of. Okay. Such as mm-hmm. the French military leader, Napoleon Bonaparte. Oh, okay. I, was, I thought you were going to say dynamite. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wait, he's not a real person. <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay, Napoleon. 
Yes. Short guy. Mm-hmm. The American writer, Edgar Allan Poe. Ooh. The seventh president and the face of the $20 bill, Andrew Jackson. Mm-hmm. And Louisa May Alcott, the American novelist who wrote Little Women. Oh, yes. Alcott, yep. See, I knew I, her name was familiar, <laughs> but I was like, Google. Who is Louisa May Alcott? <laughs> Anyways, I said Mary. That's not one part of her name. Mary Anyways, isn't part of her name no, at all. No, it's Louisa May Alcott. Oh. <laughs> Who is Mary Marie Louise? <laughs> oh my gosh. A little about calomel. It was derived from the Greek words for good and black. Okay. Some people think it's because it turned black in the presence of ammonia. Okay. Is where they got that from. <laughs> I don't know. From the 16th century to the early 20th century, it was the medicine in everything, like I said. (laughs) Sometimes it was called worm candy or worm chocolate. Oh, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, I have no idea why. A quote in the book said, It's as harmless as your khaki-clad next-door neighbor who hides a basement of bone saws. Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Love this book, you guys. Yes, it is awesome. Um, People would take it orally to help with constipation. And some think that that is where the black part of the name came from. Because it would make your poop really dark. Okay. <laughs> It'd make your poop black. Gotcha. They believed that if all of that that came out of your body was just sitting inside, then you needed to rid your body of those toxins. I remember they believed that because it was in the section that I did too. Yes. Like, you need to poop, but not as often as they were pooping. Or as much yeah. as they were pooping. They thought that it was waste and needed to be expelled. <laughs> it sounded like a gong. <laughs> expelled. My bad. Uh, one symptom of mercury poisoning was excessive drooling. Golly. Paracelsus was a Swiss physician and he contributed a lot to medicine. Not with this. <laughs> he didn't contribute much good things. But he's apparently like this big well-known Swiss physician i told for sure it is a day okay anyways uh, he said that you would know if you had taken an effective dose of mercury if three pints of saliva were produced three pints yes oh my gosh so if you didn't have three pints you weren't taking enough mercury just to did, kinda, there wasn't enough in your system just to kind of give people an idea of how much that is like to me i know because i give a pint of blood when i donate yeah. That's this little bag of blood. So you had to do that times three of saliva. Spit. That's disgusting. Yeah. That's <laughs> disgusting. Oh my gosh. So now we're going to talk about Dr. Benjamin Rush. He sounds familiar. He was a founding father oh. and therefore signed the Declaration of Independence. That's why. <laughs> History <laughs> told you, not my thing. Yeah, mine neither. <laughs> uh, he was an advocate for women's education and for ending slavery. 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 <laughs> That's good. Yes. Uh, but he also thought calomel was the best treatment for mental illness. Of course. That's bad. Yes. <laughs> uh, he used cal- calomel. Camel. Now I'm trying to say chamomile. It was not tea. <laughs> oh, there's too many words that sound similar. He used calomel to treat hypochondria. Which, for people who don't know, it's basically saying you always have some kind of sickness. Yeah, you, you know. always think something's wrong with you. Yes. If you see something or hear So something. he treated people that were on WebMD, <laughs> <laughs> diagnosing themselves with all of this stuff. Yeah. 
Um, treating his patients with calomel often led to a neurological disorder called mercurial, mercurial, that's a hard one, that's a hard word, erethism. Okay. Mercurial erethism, which resulted in depression, uh-huh. anxiety, uh-huh. pathological shyness, what? frequent sighing, what? limb tremors. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm waiting for it. Can you just imagine just all the time just... <sighs> Is there something wrong with you? Like, uh, yeah. Like, what? A neurological disorder, like, that could be worse, I guess. I wonder if it's actually real, though. Or, like, people having so-called melancholy. Yeah, I don't I know. I wonder if they just saw them sighing and was like, they're sick. <laughs> I mean, was it real? Maybe they weren't really actually depressed. Maybe they were just sighing a lot and they thought they were depressed. Anyways... Uh, these side effects were often referred to as Mad Hatter's disease or Hatter's, Hatter's shakes. They were named this because hat makers in those days used mercury during the felting process of making the hats. My goodness. So, Mad Hatter's. Okay. All those have all those could side effects to occur. <laughs> I don't know what happened. All those could side effects to occur. <laughs> Okay. Mm. Oh my gosh. All those side effects could occur from relatively small doses of mercury, but patients who ingested toxic amounts could lose their teeth. Their jaw bones would rot. Oh. They would develop gangrenous cheeks. Ooh. Which led to holes in their face, which meant ulcerated tongues and gums would be exposed. Ew. (laughs) Ew. Well, in 1793, yellow fever struck Philadelphia. Oh no, let's mercurize them all. Dr. Rush encouraged extreme bloodletting. Oh yeah. And 10 times the normal dose of calomel to treat it. And he called it heroic depletion therapy. Depletion. Yes. Like the population, is that what he's talking about? Because that's what's going to happen. Maybe he means like depletion of yellow fever but i figured but the it definitely went the other way i think <laughs> i figured it would members of the philadelphia college of physicians called his practices murderous and fit for a horse wow not even right a horse how rude one author labeled rush a potent quack uh-huh. <laughs> exactly practicing quackery a friend of dr rush not sure if you ever heard of him alexander hamilton Ooh. Yeah, I have. Father, musical, killed in a duel. That was extremely loud. Anyway, (laughs) sorry. No, me. I don't know why I'm apologizing. I'm sorry for her. Anywho, he, Alexander Hamilton, got the yellow fever. Actually, I think this was after yellow fever had died down. So maybe he just had something else. I don't know. He was sick with something. Okay. And even though he was good friends with Dr. Rush, he went to a different doctor. Mm. And he later wrote, quote, in his theory of bleeding and mercury, I was never opposed to my friend, whom I greatly loved, but who had done much harm in the sincerest persuasion that he was preserving life. End quote. Wow. So he was like, look, I love you to death, and I know you're trying to do good, but you're killing everybody. And <laughs> you ain't touching me. <laughs> no. And he lived, he, you know, well, through that anyways. Russia's medical practice ultimately went belly up. Mm-hmm. So that's good. The first emperor of the Qin dynasty dynasty mm-hmm. his name was chin chi hong okay chin chi hong hong chin chi hong sorry you can that's stop right. trying <laughs> um he was searching for immortality 
Okay. And they thought that Mercury had special abilities because it was shiny. That Quicksilver was magical looking. Okay. So after taking who knows how much or what all kinds of Mercury medicines, he died at the age of 49. And he was buried in a grand underground mausoleum. It was described as having flowing rivers of Mercury and constellations on the ceiling made from jewels. So his fancy. And it was rumored to be booby trapped with trip arrows. Wow, that stuff is real. Well, rumored. We don't know. Yeah. He also had his concubines and tomb designers buried alongside him alive. Alive. Yeah. Buried alive. Goodness. Buried alive. Buried alive. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite of the song. <laughs> yes. And for those who don't know who concubines are, because I know I knew it, but I couldn't remember, and it's his women that lived with him. Oh, I don't think I knew that either. Well, now you know. I don't know why I didn't ask. Um, But they've never been able to excavate him and check out this awesome, I about said womb, this awesome tomb because of the toxic mercury levels. Wow. That are or could possibly be inside of it, so nobody knows. Can they not just drill one hole and be like mercury testing? (laughs) Well, he died doing that, so (laughs) close it up. (laughs) Quarantine, nobody go in there. Uh, so, oh gosh, another person that you probably know, Abraham Lincoln. Okay. Before becoming our 16th president, he suffered from horrible headaches. And allegedly, headaches could be cured with a good cathartic, which is basically a laxative. Okay. So it was believed your headaches would go away with a good poop. So, goes back to the four humors theory. Yes. There's an imbalance somewhere because there's too much of one type of fluid. So well, there's one part of my notes I don't have to read. Well, there you go. Uh, the cathartic that he used was a blue peppercorn-sized pill made from pure liquid mercury, licorice root, rose water, honey, and sugar. Okay. When he started having bouts of depression, rage, insomnia, along with tremors and trouble walking, he realized that the pills were doing more harm than good and stopped taking so many. Mm. So he had mercury poisoning. <laughs> It didn't say that he quit taking them. It said that he decreased his use. Yes, I, I did catch so. that. <laughs> Moving on from Mr. Lincoln. In 15th century, in the 15th, 5th. When was it again? In the 15th century. France invaded Naples, Italy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I almost said India for some reason. That's not where that is. Naples, Italy. Okay. Invaded. France did. Okay. <laughs> okay, Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> Voltaire. Sorry. <laughs> he said it. Naples, Italy invaded. France did. <laughs> I know. It's as backwards Ooh. as you can do. <laughs> I'm off my rocker today. I'm sorry. We both are. Oh. Our rockers have been broken for a long time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Mm. All right, go ahead, Yoda. Voltaire, which is a famous French philosopher, noted, quote, On their flippant way through Italy, the French carelessly picked up Genoa, Naples, and Syphilis. Then they were thrown out and deprived of Naples and Genoa, but they did not lose everything. Syphilis went with them. (laughs) So, everybody knows what syphilis is. Not going to get into the whole detail. Sores in places, rashes, fevers. Mm -hmm. Eventually, abscesses and sores would spread across the body, and some severe enough to eat away flesh and bone. Apparently. Oh, I did not know that. In the 16th century, here comes Mercury to the rescue. Oh, yeah. We're going to cure all the bodies. Of everything with this one thing. 
There was elemental mercury that would be heated up and used for steam baths. Okay. And there was mercury chloride, which would be added to fat and rubbed in or on sores, which is a twisted version of Vicks vapor rub. Yeah. (laughs) But the most messed up treatment, a patient would be placed naked in a box with a hole for their head to stick out. Okay. Liquid mercury would be poured into the box. And then they would light a fire under the box to vaporize the mercury. Am I doing a medieval torture episode? That's what it sounded like. And that messed up. Weird. And what's awful is those suffering from syphilis would often endure these types of treatments for the rest of their lives. Because, I mean, they, that's not gonna, that wouldn't cure them. (laughs) That wouldn't cure them. Yeah. So. Goodness. And there is an old saying that says, a night with Venus and a lifetime with Mercury. A night. Oh, got it. Mm-mm-mm. Night with lady. Lifetime with Mercury. Goodness. In the mm-hmm. 1940s, mercury was banned from being used in the felting process for the hat makers across the world, including the U.S., but the British kept using it until the 1950s. Wow. So, they lagging just a little. That sums up mercury. It's a lot of mercury. A lot of mercury. <laughs> What's next? Now, we're going to talk about antimony. Okay. I don't know what this one is. I did not either. First, I'm going to tell you about Oliver Goldsmith. Okay. In 1744, he was 44 years old, and he was an author. Okay. He was suffering from from fever, headaches, and possible kidney problems. Alrighty. He decided that to feel better, he needed to vomit. Okay. So he got some of St. James fever powder, and he vomited and convulsed throughout the course of 18 hours, And then he died. Oh, okay. (laughs) Healed by death. What he had taken was medicine that induced vomiting. And up until just a few decades... Decades? Decades ago. Up until just a few decades ago, (laughs) vomiting was considered an important part of staying healthy. Yes. I don't know what to do, you guys. She won't stop. I'll talk (laughs) with my hands. Ancient Egyptians... (laughs) Egyptians... I'm speaking in cursive. Ancient Egyptians. (laughs) Ancient Egyptians would take medicine monthly to help them puke. Okay. And going back to your quackery episode, this is where I have it in my notes, the theory of the four humors. Yeah. Blood, black bile, yellow bile, and phlegm. You said blood. I know. (laughs) Yellow bile and phlegm. (laughs) Ignore and move on. Unbalanced meant you were sick, and all those things could be rebalanced, they believed, through sweating diarrhea, salivating, or vomiting. Yep. To quote the book, basically, if you could ooze out of a pore or projectile shoot out of an orifice, it balanced you. Ew. <laughs> so, what is antimony? It oh, is. don't tell me. I don't tell me. Antimony is a grayish metalloid mined from mineral deposits around the world. Okay. If that tells you anything. Anyways, it could cause liver damage, severe inflammation of the pancreas, Heart problems and death. Of course. Like everything else they used back in them, their days. Apparently. (laughs) A common belief at the time was a poison is not a poison in the hands of a physician. Okay. (laughs) Like a physician is going to know how to dilute it or transform it into something that will actually help people and... I mean, I guess I can see where that belief comes in. Yeah. I get the logic, but it's... Still wrong. Yeah, still wrong. (laughs) People believed that antimony could purify anything that was impure in their bodies. Another cure-all, 
used for asthma, allergies, syphilis, and even the plague. Okay. Melancholy isn't on that list? No. <laughs> not on this one. Surprising. When antimony really became popular, they made cups from it. Okay. And the name is either in French or something like that, but it translates basically to puke chalice. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, all right then. So, people would drink wine from the chalice, and the acid from the wine plus the antimony from the cup would produce antimony potassium tartrate, which oh. led to a good, healthy vomit or spell of diarrhea. Oh, wow. Healthy, yes. But drinking from it too often would kill you. Of course. Shocker. Then, they decided that an easier way to get your daily dose of antimony was in pill form. These pills were metal. Okay. So they would pass through the body without changing. Like they couldn't dissolve. Right. So they would be taken out of the poop, washed, and reused. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) These pills were often called everlasting pills or perpetual pills. How were they getting any effect from them? I guess the same way that the cup was working. Little at a time would come off from the cup into the wine and they would drink it. But because they'd last forever, poop after poop after poop, mm-hmm. they'd be passed down from one generation oh to the next. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, that is so gross. And I have gross. to refer to the book again. Oh, it's awesome. <clears throat> and to Johnny, my beloved and constipated <laughs> son, I bequeath my poop pills. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Constipated oh. son. Uh, my, oh. my beloved constipated son, I bequeath. My poop pills. That's awesome. Uh, eventually, antimony was in cosmetic products as well. It was a light metallic gray, like I said, but it turned black when it was exposed to air. Okay. So, in ancient Egypt, the Middle East, and parts of Asia, they would be used around the eye. Okay. The OG smoky eye. Gotcha. A little they deadly, also, but, you know, whatever. Just a tad. It was worth it. Yeah. Beauty is pain. Exactly. Beauty and is sometimes death. death. <laughs> Uh, uh, they also used it for aversion therapy. Okay. Associating something that you like with something that you don't like. Mm-hmm. Much like you like drinking alcohol, but you don't like puking. So they would put it in medicine that would induce vomiting if you drank. Gotcha. I don't know if anybody watches Reba, but there's an episode where she takes one of Cheyenne's pills that she thinks is just a vitamin. And then she's like making a toast in front of everybody and she's trying not to puke because it's making her sick. Anyways. Oh, gosh. Okay. Antimony was also used for counter-irritation. Oh, yes. Yeah, burning or blistering one part of the body would draw illness away from another. Yes. Like you talked about in your episode. The cautery and stuff. Yes. It was used topically as a blistering agent. hmm You needed to keep whatever blister you were treating alive, though. Ugh. So if it was healing, you would need to rip that scab off oh, yeah. and open it up again and add more to it. To, quote, yield a copious secretion of pus. Ew. <laughs> I know. It's You're gross. disgusting. I'm sorry. You're learning. You're still gross. <laughs> <laughs> we're done with that one, though. Okay, good. Moving on. Now we're going to talk about <laughs> arsenic. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was known as the king of poisons, the okay. poison of kings, and inheritance powder. <laughs> inheritance? <laughs> I'm guessing because people used it to kill people to get their money. Apparently. That's what it sounds like anyway. It was also used because it was essentially undetectable. It's tasteless, odorless. Gotcha. 
Arsenic poisoning had symptoms that mimicked food poisoning, mm-hmm. like abdominal pain, vomiting, diarrhea. And I will just say, if I learn nothing else from doing this episode, now I know how to spell diarrhea every time. <laughs> <laughs> no more question about it. Exactly. When used for medicinal purposes, it caused the surface of the skin to die and fall off. So it was good, actually, for people with abnormally thickened skin that had, like, psoriasis or something. Oh, okay. But it was bad for people with ulcers or eczema. Right. Brittle skin. Yeah. Like everything else around the 18th century, a whole mess of stuff it treated. Fever, stomach pain, heartburn, rheumatism, most commonly linked to arthritis. Mm -hmm. And it was also used as a generic tonic. So anything. You got the flu? Here's an arsenic tonic. You're feeling a little under the weather. Here you go. A man named Dr. Thomas Fowler created his own concoction, and it was the best-known arsenical medicine for 150 years. Oh, wow. Did I say arsenical right? don't know any other way it would be pronounced. I don't either. Arsenical? Arsenical. <laughs> his medicine dilated capillaries in the face, which would give you flushed, rosy cheeks. Mm-hmm. So it made the people using it look... Ha! <laughs> My bad. That wasn't me. (laughs) (laughs) So it made the people who took it look healthy, but it didn't actually make them feel any better. Okay. Along with Fowler's, they made arsenic medicines of all different sorts. (laughs) They made topical creams to be applied to the skin. They used them in enemas. Uh, The book said they were eaten. I'm assuming pills, or I guess that way. I don't know. I suppose. They would be added to bread to make bread pills. Okay. Is that just like a pill in the middle of a ball of bread? I have no idea. No. And they even (laughs) had some that were injected. Okay. And vapor forms the consumers could inhale. Okay. One pharmacology textbook from then stated that it was safe for nursing mothers (laughs) to use these arsenic-based medicines. They said, you know, you can treat your babies that are sick via breast milk that's already laced with arsenic. And some used it to help ease their morning sickness while they were pregnant. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so you can just imagine how all of that went. Medicines containing arsenic even claimed to help with snake bites, rickets, which I didn't know what rickets was, but it's weakening of the bones, like with the vitamin D deficiency in children. Huh. I'd heard it, but I... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, and it would help with drunken vomiting. Okay. Everything helps <laughs> all the same things. Charles Darwin apparently suffered from arsenic poisoning. Fowler's arsenic poisoning to be exact (laughs) oh gotcha um it thickens and darkens the skin and people noticed that he'd have a really nice looking tan even though he had little to no sun yeah there weren't tanning beds or self-tanners back then so yeah but there was arsenic and later they found tons of arsenic in his system my gosh in the victorian era women would drink a cocktail of arsenic vinegar and chalk ew yeah None of those are good by themselves. Like, no. at least the other ones had honey and sugar. Yeah, exactly. That's disgusting. Uh, this caused anemia, which would lead to paler skin, which they saw as, you know, more refined. But arsenic darkens the skin, right? Right. That's how they knew Darwin, because the skin was so dark. It was most likely other efforts that they did, like vinegar washes and just staying out of the sun that made them paler. So they were basically just taking arsenic for no reason. That's not okay. what made them paler. That's weird. But they gotcha. were like, oh, doing this is making me all pretty. It, it's not. It's not. <laughs> Arsenic was also used in dyes, made okay. a very pretty green dye that they would use for artificial flowers, mm-hmm. fabrics, mm-hmm. and wallpaper. Mm-hmm. 
Those products often poisoned the people who used them because there would be poisonous flakes of paper in the air or it would just fill the air with arsenic over time. And it was also used as a rodent killer. This is going to help you get better, but it's going to kill these rodents. Yeah. That makes no sense. Quote from the book, got vermin, boring walls, feeling murderous, arsenic is your jam. (laughs) Although it definitely did more harm than good, it did help treat syphilis until it was ultimately usurped with penicillin. Okay. Replaced with penicillin. And in the mid-1800s, it seemed to temporarily stop the symptoms of myeloid leukemia. Mm. And white arsenic has been used to treat leukemia during many patients to this day. Wow. Do you think it's uh, something that they put in chemo? I don't know. Because I know that chemo damages your body too, but kills the cancer cells. So it's almost like pick your poison. Yeah, literally. So, huh, weird. Now we're going to talk about gold. Gold? Gold. Okay, that was a medical remedy back in the day? It was. Huh, did not know that. Now you do. Tell me more. As far back as 2500 BCE. Okay, BC. BCE. Yeah, but that's actually before Common Era. They changed it because BC means before Christ. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's why I said BC in my... As far back as 2500 BC. <laughs> the Chinese knew that gold was resilient against corrosion. So mm. they associated it with prolonged life. Oh, uh, yeah. Dumb. So they believed that consuming gold would help them live longer. Some suggested using gold to treat mouth and gum sores, stating mm-hmm. to cook a gold particle with water and gargle with it regularly. Wow. Another quote from the book, I'm sorry, but gold gargle slogger anyone? <laughs> gold gargle slogger? <laughs> oh, man. Love it. Uh, in the medieval times, they created royal water, which was a yellowish-orange color, and it was a toxic mix of both nitric and hydraulic acid. Oh, okay. Great for you. Right. That mixture would dissolve gold, and later they discovered that they could make it into a salt, known as gold chloride, which could be drank when mixed with water. So like the Propel water packets. Mm, Yeah. Poison packs. (laughs) Uh, Paracelsus, the Swiss physician, he claimed (laughs) that royal water made you indestructible. Did he test this before he said that? Probably not. However, (laughs) gold chloride salts caused kidney damage. Caused? I don't think that's word. Gold chloride salts caused... (laughs) Killed me damage. Killed me damage. And I look a fiddle. <laughs> I couldn't understand <clears throat> the last one. Kidney damage and auric. I'm not going to say that word. Fever with drooling and peeing a lot attached to it. Oh. Certain type of fever. I don't know how to pronounce the word. Okay. Alchemists eventually came across a way of fulminating gold, which was a toxic combination of gold, ammonia, and chlorine. Great. It had a tendency to spontaneously explode. (laughs) So instead of immortality, you'd be blown to smithereens. Oh, yeah. Jack's been blown to smithereens. Oh, gosh. That's the first thing I thought of. Anyways. (laughs) Gold does have its good uses today. It's used in teeth fillings. Uh Uh-huh. And nanoparticles are being researched as a possible cancer treatment. Hmm. And gold compounds are frequently used to treat rheumatoid arthritis. They think there's possibly anti-inflammatory properties in gold. Oh, okay. So that's cool. Yeah. You know, you don't have to go through all that stuff to get there, but you know. Unfortunately. Our last topic is radium and radon. Oh, yeah. There was a medicine called radithor, or radithor, however you say it. 
for indigestion, high blood pressure, and impotence. Okay. It was made from two microcuries of radium in triple distilled water. This created literal radioactive water. Hmm. Water. Radioactive water. Famously, it was discovered by Marie and Pierre Curie. Okay. The scientists. She died from her research with radium. Most people know of Madame Curie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But... Um, It was initially used to treat cancer. It shrunk the cells, you Mm -hmm. know, plus it glowed. So it was this, like, really cool new age science thing. Yeah. In the early 20s, they experimented with using radium to treat hypertension, diabetes, arthritis, rheumatism, gout, and tuberculosis. Gotcha. So again, they're, try, see what it does if you have this, see what it does if you have this, see if it helps this. Well, that's better than saying this is going (laughs) to help this when it does nothing. Yeah. They experimented. Yes. Not they said this is going to fix all your problems. Yeah. So I did a little better. I suppose. (laughs) But it was classified as a natural element and not a drug. Therefore, Uh, it wasn't regulated. Gotcha. So they were doing all kinds of stuff with it. Yep. Radon was found to be present in hot springs, which were known to be therapeutic. Mm -hmm. So they think, oh, there's radon in there. So it's therapeutic Mm -hmm. because of the radon. Nope. So, therefore, radon helps cure stuff. Duh. <laughs> so, people believe that drinking radioactive water was good for their health. Poor ignorant people. Right. A man named Thomas... No. <laughs> a man <laughs> named R.W. Thomas invented a radioactive water crock that was patented in 1912. Okay. This was a large jar... A large jar... <laughs> of dirt. I got a jar, I got a jar, a radioactive water. (laughs) This was a large jar made of uranium that contained radium with the spigot attached to it. Okay. Sorry, that's hard to say. Uranium that contained radium. He advised, yeah, he advised people to fill their jar every night with water and drink freely. So about six to eight glasses a day of radioactive water. Okay. And they said, you know, if you have any water left over at the end of the day, just use it to water your plants. Okay. <laughs> Those poor petunias. <laughs> just wilting. My tulips don't look too good. <laughs> just wilting. I don't know what's wrong. Just dying. Poor plants. Poor people, but poor plants. Anyways. Yeah. This water from the jar contained five times the rec- recommended amount of radium concentrate for drinking water. The only problem with it that they saw, though, was that it wasn't portable. (laughs) So they made a smaller version of the same thing, and there were versions called the Thomas Cone, the Zimmer Emanator, and the Radium Emanator. Okay. Very creative names. Yes. These were things that would be added to water that you were about to drink. They would gradually decompose, which would produce radium and radon gas that infused the water. Like one of the infusion water bottles. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. And you could have radioactive water right at your fingertips, no matter where you were. It's perfect now. It's brilliant. Everything is as it should be. Yeah. Cosmetic companies joined the radium hype Mm -hmm. in the 20s, and they started selling radium-based beauty creams, soaps, and even toothpaste. Mm -hmm. Most people believed that for humans to function healthy, we needed gamma rays. (laughs) So, William Bailey invented the radiandocrinator. Radiandocrinator. Radian Docrinator. Radian Docrinator. I'm going to go with that. That sounds good. This thing <laughs> was a gold-plated harness that contained radium, okay. and it would be worn around whatever part of the body they thought needed to be rejuvenated. Right. 
they believed that it would revitalize the endocrine glands, and then the endocrine system would produce more hormones. So they did this because Bailey believed that we aged because of our endocrine glands slowly weakening over time. So through radiation, that deterioration could be reversed. Okay. That was his theory. I want to read a quote from Bailey. He said, I am satisfied from definite clinical experience with the radiandocrinator that a method of ionization is now available whereby we can definitely, practically without exception, retard the functioning power to those whose sun of life is slowly sinking into the purple shadows of that longest night. The wrinkled face, the drawn skin, the dull eye, the listless gait, the faulty memory, the aching body, the destructive effects of sterility, all spell imperfect endocrine performance. (laughs) And I know that's not right. Like, this isn't 100% there. But the way he wrote that, yeah, those whose sun of life is slowly sinking into the purple shadows of that longest night, I was like, poem? Yeah. Poet? Is he an author? Um, there was a company based in Denver called Home Products that combined animal gland tablets with radium supplements to help weak and discouraged men bubble over with joyous vitality. Okay. Which I'm assuming they meant to help with impotence. Um, the things they created were suppositories. Mm-hmm. So radium was <laughs> going up their butts. Yeah. <laughs> they also made some for women called Women's Special Suppositories, supposedly to cure their sexual indifference. Okay. Arrow. Yeah. And radium was going up their front butts. Gotcha. <laughs> Golly. Um, a man named, it's either Eben or Eben Byers. Mm-hmm. He was a 47-year-old industrial worker, and in 1927, he injured his arm. Okay. So he started taking Radithor for the pain. Over the next five years, he consumed 1,500 bottles of it. Oh, my gosh. He suffered from various radiation-based cancers until he died in 1931. When he died, he weighed 92 pounds. What? His kidneys had failed. His brain had abscessed, which made him almost mute but fully coherent. Mm. Most of his jaw had been removed because surgeons were trying to stop the cancer from spreading. Golly. And his skull was riddled with holes due to the radiation poisoning. Uh, yeah. A forensic investigation that was done later on his body found that even his bones were severely radioactive. Oh my God. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And his whole body, including his bones, was so radioactive that they had to bury him in a lead-lined coffin. Yeah. Creeping? Yeah. That's insane. But today, radiation is the leading treatment for cancer alongside surgery and chemotherapy. Gotcha. The biggest thing that we need treatments for. So, yeah. So that is it for my quackery episode. Yay. Claps. claps. I hope everybody else was as interested in it as I was, but I thought it was. Oh, I loved it. I thought it was cool. I love that book. I'm not kidding, guys. I recommend it. Highly recommend it. It's informative, extremely, obviously, but it's very entertaining. Yes. I really wanted to do something a little lighter because I was so in the rabbit hole, wormhole hole of the Mm -hmm. Watts case. Yeah. For so long. We did our first Patreon episode about it. Everybody needs Mm -hmm. to go listen to that. So I was like, I'm digging myself out of that hole. Yeah. Taking it a little lighter this week. because. Were you like obsessed and still looking up stuff about the Watts family last week too? No. (laughs) She was. (laughs) (laughs) She can't help it is what she's saying. I have a problem. Alrighty. Well, 
personal stories, case suggestions, thoughts, theories, questions, all of that good stuff, email it to us. Yes. Follow us on Instagram, join our Facebook group, our Patreon, join that for a bonus episode each month. Let us know what y'all want on there or what would make you want to join. If a bonus episode is not enough to get you on there, let us know what might be and we'll try to do that. Um, I'd like to ask for ratings to give us an idea of feedback, you know, too, and get us up there and stuff like that. So if you haven't rated us or given us, you know, just like some stars, whatever, a review. Yes, thank you. I knew there was another (laughs) word that I was thinking. A lot of people feel like it doesn't make a big difference, but the more ratings you get, the more good reviews you get, more stars you get, more people are going to see it, and it's going to pop up as suggestions for other listeners who are into true crime and stuff, so... Rate, like, follow, share, 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 share. Tell all your bodies out there, yeah. everybody. But yeah, anyways, all those links to all of our social medias and stuff like that will be in the show notes along with resources. And yeah, thanks, thanks for listening. We'll see you. We'll, we'll talk to you next week. Yep. <laughs> Come back. Bye. 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 Goodbye. <laughs> Every time.